Hey, if you think you know which way it's going to go, you got to make your bet at Sports Interaction. We've got you covered pregame, live betting on all major sports and prop bets. If you want to bet, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN, 19 plus, please play responsibly. Hey, we get the distinct pleasure of welcoming... Uh, and my voice is cracking a little yeah, bit because I'm sick. A, of course, that happens intro. in the intro. Uh, of welcoming Tim Haraney of TSN and of, now SDPN with the Nailing the Apex podcast. Uh, uh, Tim, we're so excited to welcome you to the network. We've been talking about this for like a year or more. You've made many appearances on the Jesse Blake Sports Report. Yeah, yeah. And that's how we sort of got to know you. And it's funny. When we were talking, um, uh, like when I was like, you know, we need to do a Formula One show. Jesse's like, what about Tim Haraney? I'm like, you mean the guy on TSN that I was going to talk to you about? <laughs> so, so, so tell us your background. Before TSN and stuff, you're a driver. Yes. So former driver. So used to race. Well, I mean, this is a long story, but started first driving when I was like a kid with go-karts and stuff. Amazing. Yeah. And then from there, sort of, you, you graduate into cars. Now, it's not easy to just sort of say, hey, I'm going to go and jump in a race car and just start racing because you need money. Yeah. And we, my family, we didn't have like a ton of money to just go and blow on racing. So we kind of had to chip away and work at it. And um, eventually I was actually working as a mechanic for a racing school uh, down in, in and around Belleville and Shannonville. And I got talent spotted from, from there, another Formula Ford team, uh, I had met, they had saw what I was doing. They liked it. So they were like, Hey, why don't you come and do a test? So I went and did a test with this formula Ford team. How old are you and at this point? At this point, I was probably like, I want to say like maybe 16. Oh, okay. wow. Wow. So yeah, pretty <laughs> part-time job as a 16 year old is a mechanic. Yeah. That's right? how you know you've been so, around cars, right? Yeah. So, and, and it was fun. Like being a, being a mechanic on a formula car, these are like, these are like school formula cars. It was a good experience to kind of you know, learn sort of the nuts and bolts of a, of a Formula One car. Mm -hmm. or sorry, not a Formula One car, a Formula car. Yeah. Um, and I think from there, it just, it helps you engineer a race car as you gain experience, as you make your way through the different ranks that you, you go through. Um, once the test happened with the Formula Four team, everything went re really, really well. And there was one stipulation. I had to lose like a lot of weight. So I used to be a really big guy. I was okay. about close to 300 pounds okay. and in and around as a 16 year old because losing weight man is not is not an easy thing so no, it's not that no. first sort of uh off season was extremely difficult with like training and learning about diet learning about how to sell sponsorship too because we needed to bring a bit of money with us sure so we could get into the race car full time so you're selling you're working out you're on a diet as a 16 yeah, year old pretty much <laughs> and so was able to drop about 80 pounds or so wow before the only at 16 can you yeah. do that <laughs> That's yeah crazy. So it was it was a, it was a, it was it was tough man but it's good learning experience obviously um but did well in the series and did the Canadian Pro Formula Four Championship, which is like another step up, and you were competing against like some of the best drivers within Canada. That season didn't go particularly well for me, but I did get noticed again, but this time it was by a Formula Renault team. So Formula Renault is, uh, for those who watch Formula One, Alpine is owned by Renault, and that used to be the Renault Formula One team. And that is the second biggest manufacturer of cars in the world? Pretty big, yeah. They yeah. own quite a bit of stuff. And, and Partially owned by the French government, too? Yeah. yeah, yeah. To be a part of their driver development program is like a, a big deal. There's not a lot of drivers who've ever had that experience. Myself and a few other Canadians 
uh, have, which was which was awesome. It was awesome for all of us, right? It was a great opportunity. So competed in that. And man, like going from racing in Canada uh, in, in Formula Ford, I mean, it was very competitive. Going and racing in Formula Renault where you're competing against some of the best young drivers from around the world is a totally different experience. Yeah, I the, bet. The competition level is so much higher. The aggression is so much higher uh the things you kind of have to do if you want to be fast or you want to win is is it was pretty cut do canadians race like canadians is that what you're saying and then and then you get out into the the knives are sort of out when you go to europe um i would say like you just different styles and it's kind of like one it's like they don't really they don't really care two the other ones you know canada was kind of like okay like we know each other and we have to talk to each other in the paddock after this, and we're both Canadian, so let's just take it just a tiny bit easier on each other. But when you got into Formula Renault, it was gloves were off, man. And that was a big learning curve for me. It was huge. I, th- I would say my second season was better than my first. Um, and then from there, I uh, got the opportunity to jump in a Champ Car Atlanta car. And wow. so there's not many uh, Canadians, there's not many drivers who get that opportunity. So Champ Car used to be a feeder system into, uh, sorry, Champ Car Atlantics used to be a feeder system into Champ Car. Um, and that was always the goal, right? Try to get the Champ Car Formula One. For Formula One, it was just a little unrealistic. We just didn't have the money. We didn't have the money to spend, to go overseas, to live there, to really grind it out. We had to kind of, we had to stay where we were and figure it out. And right. so Champ Car was the next sort of logical option for myself and for my career, if I wanted to make it a career, because it was really, really difficult to just get paid to do it, especially yes. then. And so it got absorbed. It turned into IndyCar. I went and did some stuff in a GT championship over in Europe, got the opportunity to live over there for a while, um, racer manufacturer over there, which was great, learned a lot. Uh, and then as soon as the recession uh, oh, wait. hit, yeah. it really affected um, the racing industry as like a whole. Well. Uh, Big time. So we we sat down for coffee, I think, in January. And I think, didn't you tell Jesse and I that uh, a couple Formula One teams almost just folded up? Yeah. Or or did one even fold up? I, I don't so, even remember. Yeah, it ended up like Honda ended up just pulling right out of They were gone. Formula that was one. the BAR team? That was, uh, I don't know. I can't remember if they were Honda BAR or if it was just Honda had taken them over. I can't remember at that point because there was that transition in and around that period. But it was just known as Honda from my understanding. Um, yeah, they ended up just selling to Ross Braun and he bought them up and, you know, eventually that team ended up becoming, you know, Mercedes yes. ended up becoming like <laughs> this dominant sort of figure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ford pulled out at that point as well and, or no, they, they pulled out before with Jag, right? They, they had, yeah. Cause they were with Jaguar for a while. Cause it was like a Jag. Cosworth for Jaguar sort of relationship. But, um, yeah, it was, it, <laughs> That was tough. That was a tough time. You couldn't find money to go and race because of the recession. And then you had manufacturers that were pulling out of racing in in general. And so I didn't have really much to to do. And like I started delivering pizza. I moved back home, moved in with my back home with my family. What was um, the peak you had reached at this point? Uh, when you had to dial like back? yeah, getting getting right up paid to, to like race your professional car. driver. Yeah, like, wow. it's, like even just to. I've gotten to drive and be in cars like supercars, Lamborghinis, LaFerraris, um, just incredible cars, but they just 
they don't even even come close to like what the champ car Atlantic car was like mm-hmm. or a formula car. I mean, it's just a totally different experience. Uh, it's like putting your, you know, it's like putting yourself on warp speed and like trying to figure it out with this polished, you know, piece of equipment that's it's very a rocket subtle. Ship. Yeah, yeah, but it's like designed you be specifically and, for racing. Yeah. You know, it's different than a car that you use for everyday driving. Exactly. And so it's like nothing will ever compare to that for me. And so it's, 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 it's hard. You miss it. Like I miss it every I'm day. I'm sure you do. Wow. It's really, really hard. Like I miss it every day. And like, when I devoted so much of my life to it, I didn't really know what to do with myself now that I knew that, oh my God, like I'm not going to be able to race professionally and get paid to do this. Like I worked so hard to get here and it was gone in, in an instant. And so, yeah, I delivered pizza, um, worked at a chicken farm. Uh, <laughs> you have had yeah. one of the most interesting lives I've yeah. ever. What was your this job is... on the chicken yeah. farm? Yeah, what did you do? <laughs> uh, like prepped, uh, like prepped chickens and stuff like that. For like like the, the chickens eggs were and... already, yeah, yeah, like vac sealed, yeah, you know, chickens for for people to eat and stuff for, like that. Oh, wow. And... <laughs> yeah, man, it was. It is. Uh... Was this in Europe or Canada? No, I'm no, so this, was, this back, was in back Canada. in Canada. Yeah, yeah, you drive home to your parents' place every night. <laughs> uh, yeah, we actually. So I grew up in a really small town. What's it called? Uh, Keene, Ontario. Okay, and um, have not heard of it. We were really, like we were friends with the the farmers and stuff. And right. So it was it was cool. They were just like, "Hey, you need a job?" I'm like, "Yes," and they hooked me up, and it was great because I needed it. And so, yeah, did that for did that for a bit, um, and then. I was deliver, delivering a pizza one night and a friend of mine who works at who worked at TSN, I delivered pizza to him and he's like, hey, what are you doing delivering pizzas, man? And I was like, hey, this is it right now. How are you doing? <laughs> he's like, Wait, shit, those pizzas showed up on time. He's like, he's me. Yeah. Actually, they did. I, yeah, I they better. They did. I actually to my what, did you, what did you drive around in for that? <laughs> it was, uh, I can't even remember. Oh, it was, it was a Mazda 626. Oh, okay. I think it was a 1987 Mazda 626. That's not bad. With no heat. Ah, all right. Well, the heat the heat was from the from the engine. And then eventually. From the pizzas. Yeah, from the pizzas. And eventually, I think the, if I remember this correctly, this is a long time. Well, it's not that. Yeah, it was a long time ago. No. If I remember correctly, I think the crankshaft literally came through the engine block one day. <laughs> like that's how that car kind of went. Right. But yeah. man, 1987, this car lasted forever. It was awesome. But anyways, it got me around. It did what it needed to do. Um, but yeah, and he was like, hey, why don't you come and um, see what it's like at TSN? I'm like, that'd be great. I'd love that opportunity. And so got to go into TSN, got to learn a lot, um, You know, learned how to write highlight packs, learned how to produce. It was such a, it was such a great opportunity because I was actually, I was learning another skill and I actually felt like that. I'm like, Hey, like this is like this media thing. It's really cool. And like, and like these people are on live television. I'm like, that's totally awesome. Man. I was like freaking out. <laughs> and so, um, eventually I was like, wow, you guys, you got formula one. I'm like, let's do some stuff with formula one. And they're pretty open to it. Super cool. It was a great opportunity. And and yeah, just chipped away at it, worked away at it, uh, and, and here we are today. I mean, was... and you're still with them, yes. So well, I, I do want to I want to make that clear, right? You're oh, still yeah. doing TSN television, and 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 you know everything we've heard. You know, uh, we've had the uh, the you know obviously we work with CJ works at TSN as well, and everybody that we know there is just spectacular, like yeah. class acts, great yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, listen, um, we've wanted to do this for a while. We know that the the you know, the people that, that have subscribed to this channel, there is a huge 
upswell in in Formula One interest. But also the other thing that you you're going to do on this podcast, and I swear we're going to get to the season preview in a second here, um, is IndyCar. <laughs> Because there's such a there is a real connection between the two, and oftentimes engineers and drivers and stuff will go between the two. Yep. You have connections because of your Renault years with Formula One and Champ Car Atlantic years. And, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But you've got you've got connections with engineers who were Red Bull, and I think uh, the one you interviewed last summer was Red Bull, and now McLaren yeah, uh, Indy. Yep, Gavin Ward. He now runs. Uh, uh, the McLaren IndyCar team. Um, Gavin actually engineered uh, a big portion of that Red Bull team that Sebastian Vettel went on to win. You Is that know, the multiple... Sebastian Mark Webber year? Yes, the first like one? a bunch of them. Like he was even doing David Coulthard before those guys got there. So like he he was. He, his story is fantastic, and hopefully I get him on the show again yeah. at some point because he, he's a really great guy. He's from Canada, went over to Europe, did the same sort of thing, and networked his way through that industry. And eventually, um, getting this opportunity uh, with McLaren is huge for him. And so, yeah, he's he's like one of... It's interesting with engineers because... And this is something that people may not know, right? Like, engineers are... Uh, if you make it to the top level, you're talented, right? Like you have something that's like a real gift and it's kind of like F1 teams, IndyCar teams, they know how to kind of like, okay, we need you to work on our race cars. It's not like they just go and get somebody and put them in there. It's like specific people they choose who have that one little talent who can, one, be great with the team, uh, two, understand the car and what it actually needs. Uh, three, work with the driver and the amount of information that the driver's pouring out and then try to relate to that somehow mm -hmm. because they're not actually drivers, right? They're looking at data and they're seeing what the driver is doing. But when the driver is trying to communicate uh, what they need from a race car, the engineer has to understand that. And there's that relationship that I'm talking about. They really have to like work at that. It's like getting um, a head, good head coach for a team, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I usually equate like the team principles to like head coaches mm -hmm. in Formula One. That's usually kind of the way I kind of combine those two. But yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It is, it is just like a head coach, you know, trying to like train the driver, get that uh, understanding of the way they talk and to learn from that. So it, it, th this guy is just really, really great at it. And hopefully we can get him on the show. Well, and that's just yeah. one example, right? And right. so the, the one thing that Tim has that I think is really important is it's connections direct into racing. Anybody can talk about racing from the outside, but you know, one of the things that we were, uh, that, that I thought was fascinating is that, you know, you have the driver experience, but you also have the connections within, within the paddock. You're going to be able to talk to these people and interview them. And you're going to be able to bring fans closer to the thing of one of the most exclusive sports in the world. It's hard to get, it's hard to get a ticket for F1 these days. <laughs> Forget the paddock. So it's, and, and so anyway, so let's get to Bahrain because Bahrain sure. is this weekend and this is the most happy that you're going to see most teams, right? I was watching on the Formula One app today and, and they were talking about, you know, Will Buxton's on there and he's like, I think eight of the 10 teams are thrilled right now. Well, sometimes <laughs> Will Buxton, when he talks, he's he says the most generic <laughs> thing ever in the most dramatic way. Absolutely. If you need someone to tell you that first place wins. Yeah. Car that crosses the line first. That's the winner or, or it's in like, the most dramatic way possible. But, he can do it. But, but he's, he's great. He's great. Yeah, exactly. Like he's yeah, really great. He's great. Like at the, it. The, the stuff that like Will does like on Drive to Survive. Oh. I mean, 
you're narrator. kind of like yeah because you're hanging off the every word that he says because you're like dramatic pause mm-hmm. and there it is and you're yeah. like yeah okay and he and says it right into it he it's says great. it with a smile and his eyes are on yeah, fire so oh, he's yeah. like and he's you know <laughs> qualifying is important because if you're at first every other car is behind you oh <laughs> and you're like you're like fucking right fill it in yeah woo you're like, um, did he so just break the biggest news <laughs> ever or say nothing and you're amped yeah, you're you don't know so so we're, we're gonna do this preview and then coming out this weekend we're gonna do some reactions to all the episodes of drive to survive as well so we actually um we wanted to to tim's gonna host this show on his own we're not gonna be here for every episode <laughs> but we wanted to warm tim up to everybody and, and 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 let you have the chance to sort of tell your story to kick it off so bahrain you know one of the things that that this time of year does and and i kind of alluded to it is that everybody is excited right now Although it seems like there's at least one team that's really disappointed and that's <laughs> killing me. We'll get to them in a second. We'll get to them in a second. But let's start at the top. Last year was truly a two-horse race. And I, I say horse literally. <laughs> um, and the horse blew it. Now, Ferrari had the car to win, especially the first half of the season. It seems like Red Bull's got a heck of a car. It seems like Ferrari's got a heck of a car. What are we looking at from these teams? And let's say starting this weekend, but also in the first five races. I would say, so if we go with like Red Bull first, I mean, in preseason testing, they actually, they look like they have an incredible race car uh, from top to bottom. That includes qualifying performance and long run performance, which is like race simulation. Mm -hmm. I would say they have probably about two or sorry, 0.23 uh, so they probably have about three tenths gap over uh, Ferrari and Mercedes, okay. which is is pretty big uh, starting off. Now, they're also coming off of like an incredible back half to 2022 where that team had so much performance. It built and built and built. 100%. Yeah. And that's what you want with your F1 team, right? You always want to start with a good baseline and then just build on top of that baseline. And baseline, I mean by the car itself. Make sure baseline is good and then you build on top of it. Um, it's like your foundation. Uh, I would say this track in Bahrain is a bit of an outlier because the pavement is very abrasive. It's really rough. It's hard on the rear tires. Um, but cars that are good with that plus cornering, they usually do quite well. So cars that don't, they tend to struggle a little bit. So I think that is one of the reasons why we see Red Bull with a bit of an advantage heard from both Ferrari drivers and Mercedes drivers on Thursday, uh, and they feel that Bahrain might be a tough race, mm-hmm. but the races following, they feel, aren't going to be as difficult. So that's a good thing because it's basically saying, hey, this track is just here. It's just, it, it is what it it's is. It's a one-off sort it's of track. It's a one-off right. sort of track, but by the time we get to these other tracks, we're going to start seeing performance. Does that lend that. itself, you, you talk about the abrasive, you know, the abrasive pavement and the cornering, does that lend itself to what Red Bull's strengths are? A little bit. I mean, the thing with it is, is how can the driver and car interact with the tire? And like mm-hmm. every time I talk about tires, I don't want people to like glaze over. No, no. This, we, these are hardcore Formula One like, fans. Yeah, we want to hear like, this. It's <laughs> like, I mean, tires are so important, right? It's the, uh, it's the contact patch between everything. And it's important because with these new sets of tires that they have coming out that Pirelli has made... Um, for this season, it's just a little bit different right now. And teams and drivers are still trying to learn them a bit. But I think if we take a look at 
once we get to kind of Saudi Arabia and then Australia, I think the packing order may change a little bit. I don't necessarily think this is going to be a Red Bull sort of runaway. I do feel that Ferrari is going to be there. Mercedes is going to be there. And maybe even another team that we'll get to in a bit will be there. I, I think I know which team you're talking about. <laughs> now, Jesse, uh, uh, so we, we, we talked about Red Bull a little bit there. I want to talk about Ferrari and then I want to talk about Jesse's team. Jesse's okay. team's Mercedes. <laughs> yes. He is all the way on George, George and Lewis. Um, so Ferrari this year, you know, you've got a new team principal. You've got uh, the same two drivers. And obviously, there's some stuff in Drive to Survive in those episodes that we're going to talk about that, mm-hmm. that happened last year. So we'll, we'll keep it to this season. What do they need to do to capitalize and take on Red Bull and not let them run away with it? I would say for Ferrari, I would just simply because of since they finished second in the championship last season, just starting uh, with them, you know, internally, they've had a lot going on. I mean, Matteo Bonotto's gone, who was their team principal. In comes Frederick Vasseur from Alfa Alpha. Romeo. And so for them, there's a bit of internal restructuring. So if we compare this to other sports, you bring a new head coach in, and usually that head coach wants to change a few things, change a few things behind the bench or wherever. And that takes an adjustment period. Same thing as with the team principal. They're going to come in, they're going to be like, hey, I want more out of you. I'm going to move you over to this department. You're going to go over to this department. And what that does, it uh, slows down the rate at which you can make parts for the car to make it faster. Okay. And oh. so one of the things that from behind the scenes you that, that, a, that a fan could look at, and once we get to maybe race you know, 10, 11, and 12, you may have an understanding of like, okay, they're a little bit slower to get parts to the car. And it's probably because of some of the restructuring that's happening uh, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think they've got a really quick car here. I mean, they, the engine um, the engine data, straight line speed data that I've been able to take a peek at, I mean, it's super strong. Like if we look at last season, Ferrari actually had to turn their engines down like at the halfway point. Yep. And that's so much performance, right? And that was due to reliability. And now we're coming into the season and you know they're like, hey, we got... Reliability is all good. So it's like, okay, cool, right on. So that means you're probably looking at about 20 extra horsepower, and that's probably going to equate to about maybe two to three tenths worth of performance, which is big. It's mm-hmm. massive. And so then on the opposite side of that, you have to take a look at, okay, for Frederick Vasseur, how is he going to run these drivers? Yeah. Because yeah. you saw like Mattia Bonotto like last year where he never really, he never really gave you like who a number one driver was. But it feels like the team thinks it's Charles. Yeah, well, he never made a decision, and I just wonder if having someone else in there making strategy calls is enough to close that gap to Red Bull, because they were awfully close for all of last year, and where they screwed up was the strategy. The car was fast enough at moments. Part of it, yeah, absolutely, Jesse. I mean, part of it was strategy, part of it was reliability, part of it was driver error. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw Charles Leclerc in France just leading oh. and stuffed it into the wall. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's that, and so... If you take a look at the strategy side, Inaki Rueda, who ran the strategy side for Ferrari for quite a while, he's been removed. He hasn't, he's not fired. He hasn't been laid off. He's still working for the team, just in a different capacity. They have a new uh, team strategist there now um, for the season to see how it goes. It's the question of like, hey, what are you going to do when, let's say, 
you have to swap cars. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Charles Leclerc is second, mm-hmm. but Carlos Sainz is is third, but he's quicker. Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're gonna have to make that call of like, all right, Charles, you got to move out of the way and let Carlos go by. Mm-hmm. And what happens if, you know, one of them has a bit of a runaway season. So let's say Charles Leclerc has a runaway season. Which how he looked you, to have in, in the first five races yeah. last year. How, how do you use Carlos Sainz in a way that doesn't up, upset him either and use him to his full capacity and basically say, hey, you're now the number two driver and you're going to need to do X, Y, and Z for us. And it's kind of like, okay, yeah. you got to get him to like play ball. You got to get him to understand what he's got to do. I am extremely fascinated to see how that's going to work. And on top of that, uh, I think, talking about just drivers in general, I think Carlos Sainz is going to have a great season. I'm going to say it right here. I mean, I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for that. Uh, There was somebody else who said, I I forget, that somebody had a wild prediction that he was going to be the world champion this year. And I thought, I'm like, well, that's spicy. Uh, With Max racing as fast as Max is, I I think, okay. But, you know, you could definitely see the competitiveness there. And and so as far as driver lineups go, that's got to be, you know, because... Red Bull has a definitive number one and a definitive number two. That's got to be the most even one-two if there is a one-two out there. But then the, the other thing is, right, like, so Red Bull goes in and gets Daniel Ricciardo yeah. uh, as, as their reserve driver. Mm-hmm. So my question is, and this is kind of probably stoking the fire a bit, but my question is, what happens if Sergio has a lump, has, has a downward trajectory in some of the performances for some of these races. Which he did like, last season. But if you're Christian Horner, at the start. yeah, well, he, he actually did like midway through, he actually really did struggle. And yeah. so if you're Christian Horner, you're going to have to think about when you're going to maybe think about moving Daniel Ricardo in and moving Sergio Perez out. But but that's, I don't think that's anybody will look at it and say. I, and I'm just throwing that Ricardo's out. There. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying that's going to happen. Right. That's going to be the title but, of this episode. Will Daniel Ricardo? <laughs> yeah, no, no. But nobody would say Ricardo's <laughs> a better driver than Checo. No, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think, I think this is my opinion. I think like all of these 20 drivers on the grid are incredible. They're all super talented, and I'll never go out of my way to bash somebody just for bashing somebody. It's just I just don't do that. But. If somebody is struggling, you have to take a look at, okay, how is the teammate doing? And what is the yes. delta between the two teammates? Which is that how was, Daniel lost his job. That was right? Mick Schumacher last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, that exactly. Too. So for, you know, Christian Horner, Helmut Marco, like they have to sit there and think about this and make this decision because, you know, they're they're humans as well, right? And they have to like say, hey, we, gotta, we either got to leave you in or we're going to pull you out one or the other, right? And you look at the car. I mean, it's, it's made for Max. I mean, it's mm-hmm. got to be, right? I mean, if you're, you know, if you're, if you've hyped up Max for as long as they have, you, you have to sit there and say like, hey, you know, this car is a little more tailored towards Max's driving style, which, you know, it kind of Albon like said in an interview recently that it was. Yeah. They made the car for him. Well, it, it makes sense. He's walking on water right now. He's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So for Sergio, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's, um, for, for him, uh, I think a big thing is, is uh, starting off the season really strong. Like, mm-hmm. let's say he gets a win in Bahrain. That is awesome. Like, great for him. And I would love to see that because I would love to see Max and Sergio go at it for a season because that would be awesome. We saw what happened in Brazil uh, <laughs> last season. So I, I I think that if Sergio can figure out how to get the pace from the car with what he needs, you know, I think he could, you know, get up towards Max and we could see some stuff happening, which would be great. Now, Jesse... Mercedes yes. is your team. Yes. You love them. 
Yes. I'm curious as as a Mercedes <laughs> fan, you know, what's the thing that's that, that you're thinking of most that you're like, Tim, I need you to answer this. I need, it, I need to know. It's been an awful testing because last year the new regulations came well, not in. As right? not, as not as bad. bad. Not, not as bad as last year. Not as bad as last year. Last year the new regulations come in. Last year was really bad. And Mercedes yeah. doesn't know how to build the car. Like <laughs> they, honestly, they didn't get the regulations. Uh, they didn't understand them. They didn't know how to build the car. I don't want to jump the gun on the drive to survive thing, but when the other drivers are like, "Hey, your car looks like yeah. shit," like, <laughs> yeah, openly. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, and George has to go like, uh, "Well, I didn't build it," and just kind of throw the engineers under the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. Oh gosh! So this year they come to they come to testing again, and things aren't the best, but they're better. And my question is: Have they, after a year of having the regulations in the car, have they finally figured out what to do with the car? Because it seems like they still have big, giant question marks. Yeah. So I spoke with the team um, during the car launch and spoke with uh, Total Wolf. Got to hear from. Lewis as well, Mick, George. So got a understanding for what their mentality is coming into the season. And one of the things is, is this cautious optimism where it's the season before it was a bit more brash. Like I remember being on an interview with, with Lewis uh, leading into the 2022 season during the car launch. And he was kind of like, Hey, you know, wait, wait till you see me this year if you've seen all those things I've done before in the past because it's going to be great kind of thing. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, And then, you know, they showed up and it was really difficult for them. This time around, their zero pod sort of concept, you know, Total made mention to this to us. It's it's not really so much the zero pod concept. It's more of what's going on. What is that, by the the way, for anybody that doesn't know? So the side pods on the side of the car... If you look at the the Red Bull or the Ferrari, they're quite distinct. They flare out. If you look at the Mercedes from 2022, it's almost like there is no side pods there. It's almost like a Formula Ford, really. Right. And then this season, it's a it's still sort of there. It's not as pronounced as it was last season. But that being said, there there looks to be a bit of a well, there was a weight issue with the car that was very slow in a straight line. They call it drag, and they say it was a bit draggy when it's going in a straight line because it's quite slow. Um, I think that's still one of the Achilles heels with this thing, and the car is not bouncing, which is good. You that's know? great. That's, that's the porpoising's gone yeah. away a little. <laughs> it looked bad. Like I remember watching the Azerbaijan Grand Prix last season, and I'm just like, I, I, I don't know how like Lewis is... Yep getting out of the car because like your spine has to be so compressed Mm -hmm. with all the g's no baku is where there's that video of lewis coming out of the car and he looks like an old man yeah you know he's he's hunched over his back hurt for two hours totally i i think also there's another component to this where if if we take a look at this from the man not the management side but uh behind the scenes so engineering wise like they've lost a lot of talent Mm-hmm. A lot of talent has gone to other teams, right? Mm-hmm. You have Aston Martin, who's come in and and taken Spent away. Some money. Yeah, Eric Landon, <laughs> they pulled him away from their development team. Uh, James Vowles is now gone to Williams. Uh, Williams. James Allison is off doing you know other things within the company as well. And so you know Mike Elliott's kind of left sitting there, like, hey, I gotta try and get this thing turned around. So yeah. and those are the behind the scenes names that people don't really know, yeah. but that make a big difference in the yeah. performance. Yeah. And this is where this podcast will come in, in handy too, because I think. <laughs> You know, we, we're used to the drive to survive angle, which is team principal, team principal, and the two drivers or whatever. You're going to be able to give us that extra little bit of like, what, what else can we, can we know about this? And, and, and knowing that that Mercedes uh, uh, talent 
brain drain has happened is is kind of a big piece. And one of the things that they're they're saying about this particular car is that you know they feel like they've they figured it out, um, but they also feel like it's going to be a bit slow starting off, and they're hoping a few races in they're going to have a big upgrade coming in for the car. And at that point, you got to hope that that's going to work. Now, are the sides pods going to change for these upgrades that are coming? They could. They could possibly change. It's it's uh, it's tough for, for Mercedes. I mean, you think about how much dominance that they've had over the sport for, for so Forever. long, yeah. right? And now, you know, you've got Lewis Hamilton in a contract year as well. So what happens if it doesn't really go well? Like... You got to convince Lewis to come back. I mean, he's Lewis Hamilton, right? Like, you need him on your team. You need yeah. him in your car. So, what do you do? You're total wool. What do you do? Like, how how can you make sure that you bring him back? You have to give him competitive machinery. Mm-hmm. You just do. It's George, he's you know, it's George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. I mean, yeah. I don't see a world like, great driver where he doesn't commit for a couple more years and try and get number eight. But if it goes, if it's complete disaster, who knows? Like, maybe he tries and switches teams. I'm also curious about. You know, he and Fernando Alonso are over 300 races, and not, nobody who's raced over 300 times has won after the 300th race. So I'm curious about which one of them you. will get that. <laughs> well, I just thought that was a crazy stat. Yeah, right? yeah. I didn't it even makes, know that. It makes That's sense age wise, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and Fernando's like, what, 42 this year? Yeah. He's going to be 42 in yeah, July. Yeah, he will be 42 this year. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, you're thinking about that and you're going, man, I. I I'd like to see that. That's something I'm looking up for this year. So the the one last thing I want to ask you on yeah, Mercedes, yeah, yeah. and then we got to move on to, because we've got seven other teams we've got to move through <laughs> quickly, is what kind of conversation do you have to have with Mercedes marketing when you say, guys, I know we're the silver arrows, but we're going back to carbon because no paint on this car. There will be no paint. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's, it's the right move. You know, Total Wolf explained it to us that the weight restrictions that they had faced last season Mm -hmm. compared to, you know, seasons before is huge. Like they were trying to save weight anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. They are, they literally, uh, well, one, they, they like the car black and my opinion, it looks cooler. I like it better too. It it looks awesome. Um, second of all, when you strip away all of that paint, right, you're saving weight, but you're only saving like grams. Like that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with grams. And if we look at some of the other, uh, cars that we've seen being unveiled and on track during preseason testing, you can see that there's like a lot of black built into those cars too. And that's again, that's that carbon or just like a matte sort of finish. Mm-hmm. And that's again, just to try and find ways of like saving weight. Every tiny you can. edge. Crazy. Yeah. Just it's, crazy. It's amazing what the new regulations have brought in. Now I'll go, I'm, I'm working our way down the grid here because of, you know, at least how people finished last year. Uh, doesn't mean it's going to finish this way this year. Alpine Renault, uh, fourth place last year, just edged out McLaren who had fourth place pretty well most of the year. Um, I mean, a really great first year under Otmar and a really kind of crazy driver lineup change, which we're going to get to in the drive to survive stuff. <laughs> but Pierre Gasly, Esteban Alcon, guys who came up together in the French system, hate each other's guts until <laughs> Pierre Gasly signed there this year. And now they're okay. I think. Yeah, we'll find out. It's going to be a competitive <laughs> year. Where where do you see Alpine this year? Because they seem to be, ever since Ricardo actually made right. the switch to Renault, yeah. they seem to be a team on the rise. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, it, it just you can just kind of see, there's an air of confidence with the team. Even though like preseason testing wasn't spectacular for them. Like they weren't great. They were really 
they were kind great of, last they, they year. Were kind of, but they either. were really focused on uh, race simulation, long run pace, and they've brought some new upgrades. From my understanding, they brought some new upgrades for the race this weekend in Bahrain. Um, that could help them. I think this battle for like fourth in the constructors is is going to be really good, and I think Alpine's going to be extremely strong. One of their one of their weaknesses from last season was obviously reliability. I mean, mm-hmm. if we we remember, I mean, Fernando losing his yeah, mind, like, it, right? <laughs> well, like remember Fernando in Australia, like he almost had a front row start. Yeah, he did. He had been able, like, if he didn't have, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he had a he had a mechanical issue on one of his final push laps. Like he was purple in some sector and like just couldn't put finish the lap because he had some mechanical issue with the car. Again, like there you go, right? There's, reliability and then engines they had so many problems with engines but the engine's really good when it's strong right mm-hmm. so i think if they can get reliability down they'll be fine because their um their execution on the development for the parts for the race car was incredible every single weekend like this team had a new component on it like it was brand new like a new i remember we went to uh, we were at uh, Canadian Grand Prix and I remember talking to a couple of the folks who I know work there and they're like, yeah, we got a new floor for this weekend. I'm like, you got a new floor for this weekend? Didn't you just have a new floor for like two races ago? They're like, oh yeah. It's like, so that development race that Otmar has them on mm-hmm. is extremely aggressive, but it looks like it's working because that's another thing as, you know, a fan, you know, the more you kind of dig into this, the more hardcore you go with it. When teams say they're bringing upgrades, you can usually tell within a few races whether it's working or not. Mm-hmm. And to be able to like nail every single upgrade when you bring it yeah. is really hard to do. And a team, we'll talk about this team in, in a bit, but this team did that last season when they first started. But for Alpine, I think on the development side, they're okay. I think on the reliability side, that's where the question marks are. And the driver side? Driver's side's interesting because you made a good point when it's like, hey, you know, Pierre Gasly came over to Alpine and all, all French of a sudden they're best friends. Yeah. Well, uh, Pierre, you know, did say that they they are going to have to work together. And if we look at like Otmar Safnauer, so before he was at Alpine, uh, Aston Martin, before that Force racing India. point, before yeah. that Force India, <clears throat> Otmar had to deal with, you know, driver fallouts. And one of them was Esteban Ocon and... Sergio Perez, mm-hmm. and that was a big one. And he had to try and get those two under control. Uh, eventually did that. So he's got experience in that department. And then, again, with last season, I mean, Alonso wasn't particularly happy, and there was a tiny bit of a fallout between Alonso and, and, and Ocon. And so he's got some experience on that front. It's it's Gasly and Ocon, and it's like, how are you going to manage that? And that's going to be his job. And that's, mm. that's going to be difficult because two French drivers, French team, and these guys are fast, and they want to they want to win, and they want to kick each other's ass. So that that's that's the thing. And right? He seems like a guy that can handle that. Based yeah. on like I oh. got to know him and Drive to Survive, like he has a whole episode. You <laughs> he's know? a great guy. He, he actually, seems like a really, a really good really guy who, actually, who can actually, handle those situations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amar is is uh yeah he's really great. Um, I just think like I really one of the things with Esteban Ocon is like. I respect so much of how hard that guy had to work just to get the Formula One. That's a that's a rags to riches, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. same sort of with Pierre Gasly, maybe not to the extent that Ocon was on, mm-hmm. but same sort of thing. And 
you can see that in his driving when he's on the racetrack. He doesn't give an inch. He literally is drive to survive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it's funny. It, 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 I'm not, I'm actually surprised it went as well as it did because Fernando Alonso has fallen out with every teammate he's ever had. And that's just because of, and Otmar says that in drive to survive. He's like, the tr- the key is trying to make him work on a team, right? Yeah, and that's with not, anybody. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then Fernando's like, I am the villain. Like, and, he, <laughs> and that's what he is. And I love that. And I think that's why people love Fernando because he is love the him. anti-hero. Love him. But Ocon has had, you know, he had the Sergio Perez, he had the shoving match with Max Verstappen. And then, of course, he and Gasly, who were buddies, fell out. Like, this is going to be a very interesting team. I think so, yeah. And especially if both, like, especially if both drivers are competitive and oh. they're, like, within one-tenth of each other or less. And even on track, if they're qualifying, like, you know, whatever, seventh, eighth, you know, fifth, sixth, whatever it is. And those two have to like make their way mm-hmm. through a corner together. Can they? Do you think I, they can? I don't know. Do can that they, for a whole year. Can they challenge for the top three this year? Um, they, again, no, with the cautious sort of optimism, they were kind of like that during their car launch. But I honestly, I, I think they can. I mean, if they move forward from where they were last season, I don't see why not. And my argument for that is if they didn't have so many reliabilities, uh, reliability issues last season. Who's to say they don't finish third? Well, because Mercedes really benefited from some of those, it right? It took them half a season to yeah. get their car from yeah, stopped yeah, out. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, uh, yeah. Next car down the grid, and I swear we're going to move faster, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> this is fun. It's the beginning of the season. Let's have some fun. It's episode one. Uh, yeah, exactly. McLaren. Now, this is my team. I love McLaren. Um, I love McLaren cars. I love... <laughs> Uh, Lando Norris. I think Zach Brown is awesome. I love the fact that they're the first team in Formula One history to have rotating ads on the car and oh, yeah, on the that's helmet. Cool. That's cool. That's very that's cool. That cool. was just shown that's today. Cool. Yeah. But of the you know ten teams on the grid, and like eight of them are happy, McLaren is for the second year in a row really not happy. Zach Brown. Uh, put out a, a letter last night on the McLaren website, and it was a lot about Bruce McLaren. It's the 60th year of McLaren or whatever it is. They're going to be celebrating, but this car seems like it's sinking, and it's sinking fast. It's, uh, so we jumped on the uh, the press conference stuff. Well, I guess I did. I jumped on the press conference stuff when they unveiled the car, and you could tell right away, like body language, always says a lot and you could see that they were a little bit down sort of downbeat and i think what they are saying when they were telling us like hey we didn't hit all of our performance goals in the off season like that's that they're, they're managing they're, expectations they're managing expectations and that's from a good pr team as well i mean they have a solid group uh so, solid group there at mclaren and basically, just telling Zach and 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 under Stella and the drivers, like, hey, we got to get out ahead of it. Just got to be got to be open and honest about it. We're not going to be good at the start, but just because you're not good at the start, it doesn't mean you're not going to be good when you get to like race eight or mm-hmm. nine or ten or when you start developing the car a little bit more and hitting those expectations. With this team in the background, I mean, you know, wind tunnel simulator like those are issues that need to be resolved new simulator coming online like that needs to be a faster process for them to kind of get that thing and they're not going to get that for another year and a half right it's going to be a while yeah i don't know the exact timeline on it but it it, it will be uh, it, it will be some time i mean i think like even they had a lot of trouble with the wheel brows like during preseason testing and i'm like that's 
you can't have problem like those types of problems. Like you just you can't. Like so what do you think is going on? Testing. What when a team is going through that, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's what we all want to know. What's happening okay. behind the scenes with with the with the team? Why is everything so slow in getting to the car? I think having also that restructuring of Andreas Seidel leaving, going to run the Sauber group that is Alfa Romeo. Soon to be Audi. Soon to be Audi. And then bringing in Andreas Stella, who's worked at the team for a long time, but it's never been in this team principal sort of role. And you've got Zach trying to manage that as well. Like it was, it was interesting because when they made that decision, um, the McLaren guys texted me like, "Hey, we're gonna do a quick press conference." I'm like, "Huh?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah." <coughs> uh, Andreas is gone. Stella's coming in. And I'm like, huh? And so I like, <laughs> jump on the thing and like, you know, Zach is there with him. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's kind of like Zach's going to be a bit more of the, the, the face of all of it mm-hmm. and have Andre Stella just get comfortable with being a team principal. That's not to say that he's the main reason of why the car is where it is currently. And I think, again, with this track in Bahrain, it's a bit of an outlier. So by the time we get to like maybe Australia, you might start to see some more performance mm-hmm. coming from it. The driver lineup to me is fascinating. Well, okay. I mean, so we got Lando, who we think, if, it, if in the right car, Lando could be challenging for championships, we think. Yep. Uh, Piastri is everybody's, he's like the number one overall draft pick. Everybody wanted him. Yep. Uh, Red Bull wanted him. Yep. Alpine had him, famously lost him. Yep. Um, what do we expect from this guy? That's a tough position for Piastri to come into. I mean, you're coming into a team that's starting off a bit on the back foot and you've got to learn as a rookie. You're only getting a day and a half of preseason testing, which is literally Tiny. nothing. Like yeah. that is nothing. And you got to try and compete with Lando Norris. What are expectations on him? Because I think they should be fairly low. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, all the trouble they went to 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 get him, I would say, you know, they'll give him a bit of rain for the first, you know, season. Yeah. But depending on how good or bad it is, right? I mean, if it's absolutely awful, then his second season, there'll be a lot of pressure on his shoulders to to, to really perform. Um, and it's tough for him as a driver, right? You have, you're right, you're, you're a reserve driver for Alpine at one point, and then they have a full lineup. So, you know, you're not going to be driving there full time and you got to figure out, okay, I, I've got a career in my hands here mm-hmm. and I'm young. I got to go. Let's go. Right. You can't blame them for moving as, as it happened, because as a driver, you, you do have to look out for yourself. You have to look out for your career. And mm-hmm. if, if Alpine wasn't going to put him in right away, then there you go. You got to go, go do what you got to do. So, um, what's the success for McLaren? Like, where, yeah, what where are we thinking they finish? I'm thinking Top like six. Yeah. Like, I, I think, oh, great. I, but, but it could be like, it could be better. It's like, it's like I was saying, like with Bahrain, it's such a, it's just such a weird track where we just don't even know. Like, mm-hmm. once we get further into the season, we'll have a better idea, but. Could be a bit difficult starting off. My wife asked me, she's like, can you pick better teams? She's like, we got to cheer for Bur- we got to cheer for McLaren every Sunday. I'm like, listen, they were third a couple of years ago. It was good. Um, okay, oh, next no. one is Alfa Romeo Ferrari, soon to be, which is the sober group, soon to be Audi, but that's a couple of years away. You've got, um, you, you know, you really had a surprise year last year, right? They did edge out Aston Martin. Actually, well, they were tied, but I think Alfa Romeo had the, I don't know what the tiebreaker is, but they had it. Um... So, Joe Granue, second year, Valtteri Bottas, who is a, uh, a qualifying god, 
Um, and that's, I think, you know, what, what creates his, his great race positioning as well when the car isn't quite there. What do we expect from these guys? It's a great question. I mean, it's, it's difficult to tell. I mean, they put so much resources and development into being ready for the 2022 regulation change that it's, you kind of have to wonder, you have Andreas Seidel coming over, how much restructuring is going to be done behind the scenes? Uh, how many new personnel are they going to hire? And how is that going to affect the build of the car as it moves throughout the season? And that's that's such an important part to all of this. I think they've definitely got the right guy at the head with, mm-hmm. with Seidel. Like he's, he's brilliant, in, in my opinion. And... The driver lineup, I really like. I thought, uh, you know, Zhou Guan Yu last season, I really thought he was going to struggle to start off because most rookies do, especially with the tires now. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. Like, he did. And he, he kind of came in under the moniker of, this is a pay driver. Sort of, yeah. Like Giovinazzi bit, even yeah, said, bit. well, money wins yep. out. That's why I'm not racing next year. He certainly didn't act like it. No, I mean, he showed up prepared and ready to go. And I was extremely impressed with what, he did last season and having that experience you're going to bring it into this season and so from the driver perspective it's a very strong driver lineup in my opinion and if they can get the car to their liking i think this could be a strong team i'm not saying they're going to be battling for like fourth or fifth in the constructors but i think like they're going to be in that seven eight sort of tier i always have this top of the bottom i always have this thing in my in my in my mind where it's like I kind of want them to start off bad because I think Williams is going to be kind of, you know, not quite there just yet. And if you have a Williams coming up behind Valtteri Bottas, I just want to put out a tweet that's like, Valtteri, it's James. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, now, the, the team that everybody's got their eyes on, and you've been talking, when, when Jesse and I and, and, and Tim have been talking uh, uh, off mic for, you know, we've been talking for months, but Tim's been saying, guys, Keep your eye on Aston Martin. (laughs) Keep your eye on Aston Martin. One thing that I didn't know that you kind of told me is that they're building a full factory. Yeah. And and there's going to be like, what, a thousand employees? Right now, um, they have upwards of over 500, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And the factories, they have one that probably should be completed this season. I have a feeling it may be completed by the summertime. Uh, State-of-the-art factory. Uh, it's first of its first of its kind, all sort of AI sort of ran and automated, like pretty crazy stuff, man. And then they have their own wind tunnel uh, that they're finally going to have as well. And you have to remember, this is the old Jordan factory. So we're going back yeah. in the day, yeah. man. Like that's how that's how old this thing is. Like that's what they're working out of. Like we're going back to the 90s yeah. with this thing, right? Yeah. And so for, for them, getting this opportunity, um, it's huge. And being able to have a factory like this come online and still be competitive is incredible because you have to think like you have so many moving parts going on. And like I said, with development, mm-hmm. it's if you're having problems behind the scenes, your development's not going to be very good. And mm-hmm. so if you have so many moving parts going on behind you, I mean, it's going to be hard to develop parts for the car. And that's why I think they have so much great talent. They've been able to recruit and taking a look at the car that they've brought uh, to, to preseason testing, the long runs in particular, they look incredible. Like in preseason testing, they looked awesome in, in their long runs. 
Now, whether or not they can kind of keep that going, and again, Bahrain's a bit of an outlier. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but this is a team that was, at this time last year, was like dead last. They were terrible. They were horrible. They yeah. had a horrible car. The concept was just not there. And But by the time they got to Spain, they had a huge upgrade that they brought to the car, and it kind of started to look more like the Red Bull... And then everyone else started to kind of look like more like <laughs> it a was Bull. a carbon copy of the Red Bull car. They literally took the Red Bull and just put Aston Martin on it. Well, and they, they did that with Mercedes a couple years to, before that, right? Yeah. To their credit, they actually were working on that similar concept, like in November of 2021. Okay. I mean, that's so they say. But I, I just think the the home runs that they hit in terms of development throughout last season, if you go back to summer break, coming out of summer break, you saw the car take this these huge steps in performance. And they were just nailing home runs with these upgrades, man. And they chewed back and clawed back like a ton of time on, on their competitors. And all of a sudden, they went from being like, whatever it was, like ninth or 10th to like, seventh and bad like closing in on sixth yeah. and then you look at this season this season this car is 95 percent brand new like they've only kept five percent of the last thing they know what they're doing so i'm not saying that this is going to be like fourth i'm not saying this is going to be like a red bull beater are you, are you saying like, possible? I, I think fourth could be i think like fourth or fifth i mean they're downplaying it and they should yeah but I think this is going to be a really strong team. I think you're you're looking at like fourth or fifth in the championship. What does Fernando Alonso bring to a garage? Because here's like, and, and, and this is a drive to survive reference, but, you know, Otmar talked about the fact that he didn't love the new culture when Lawrence Stroll bought it. And you could see Lawrence Stroll being a pretty intense guy. If Lawrence Stroll stared you down, you'd probably melt. Um, but that guy is spending his money and wants to win. And Fernando Alonso seems like the kind of guy who would love that kind of pressure. Yeah. So what what does Fernando Alonso bring to this? And then we'll talk about Lance. Sure. Yeah. So for Fernando, I mean, obviously two-time Formula One world champion. The thing is, is that, you know, this guy has been in Formula One like forever. He's only been out for like two seasons. He's been in whatever. Formula One as like long as Lando Norris has been alive. It's that, that's, that's, that's crazy, right? Like yeah. that's, that's absolutely crazy. Now, think about all the knowledge that he's got. Oh, yeah. And you kind of, as a, I, I guess, it's, I, I don't know how to compare it to other sports, but as a racing driver, you always want to, the, and this is what I teach uh, other racing drivers, what, you know, how to, because I instruct other drivers, I coach and stuff. One of the things you want to do is you always want to be driving something different. Hmm. Because what happens is, is that you drive something one way, and then you're going to get into a totally different car. And then you're going to drive that. And then you're like, whoa, this is totally different. And I need to figure out how, what this thing likes. Um, how do I get the speed out of it? What do I need to do with my driving style? And then you learn, like, it's another tool in your tool belt. Like, oh, okay, so this is what I need to do with my driving style to extract the performance. You keep doing that with so many different cars. It's just like, boom, 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 boom. Your talent that you already have, you're bringing it to the table immediately. You're not really waiting all of this time to kind of warm up and get comfortable and get your confidence and all that kind of stuff. It's, you have so much experience and mm. then the engineering side of things as well, working with engineers, you have a ton of experience doing that as well. Like it's, this guy brings a lot to and the being table. a pain in the ass. Is too. he going to want to work with Lance Stroll? <laughs> yeah. Like, is that, that's the thing. <laughs> he, like, he, called, <laughs> he called him a future world champion. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a sec. I, I, I just need to say that for, 
Fernando Alonso, yes. I mean, he is an extremely demanding driver. And, pain in the ass. But he is going to expect nothing but the best from every single person on this team. And that's got me fascinated. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems that that's what Lawrence Stroll's, uh, 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 that's his expectation as well. So that's why I think it seems like a great fit. Now, Lance Stroll, let's take the wrist out of it because we know that he broke his wrist uh, and we know that he's going to be driving with pins in his wrist this weekend. So take that out of it because we've had people drive with one hand in Formula One before. It's possible. But I want to know, I want to know for him, broken wrist aside, what are his what is he truly capable of? Because it seemed like for a few years that, you know, obviously there was the Williams years, but as soon as there was the racing point um, switch, yeah. he had a win or so he was, he had a podium pole position, pole position. That's right. Podiums uh, as well. And podiums that as well. season. There is like, I, I understand that his father owns the team and I understand that's part of the sport, <laughs> but Lance Stroll is a perennial, like even when the car's good, he's in the top 10. He's really, I mean, I've known Lance for a very long time and i've covered uh lance on the media side of things for you know ever since he was in uh formula four won that championship then he won formula three championship his second season in f3 which was 2016 if i'm not mistaken then came into f1 for 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 me, I always thought that it would have been great if Lance could have gotten to F2 hmm. and done F2 and really understood the the tire. Mm-hmm. Um, the talent is there. It's understanding the tire, which is, like I've always said, it's it's kind of difficult for drivers. And then you're working with like, you know, you go from like Formula 3, you're working with ah, maybe one or two engineers, depending on your, on your budget. You go to Formula 2, okay, got some more people here you're dealing with you go to formula one you're like oh my god there's like a hundred people in this room you know you have to work with all of them and you have to share all of your information with with all of them and they're going to have so many questions for you and you've got to be able to like manage that for a young driver like lance in 2017 coming into williams that's a lot to ask and a, and a team that was in in disarray Just too not not good not good I mean, williams was in such a bad position and showing up late to to testing and that everything. was yeah so that was what was that 2019 <clears throat> yeah. i think it was i believe it was 2019 there they, they they missed like if i can't if i'm not mistaken the first week of testing or something mm-hmm. like that or the first few days of testing uh which is horrible and then flew the parts in with claire williams yeah like just like, just it it hasn't it wasn't good for them and for for lance being so young and coming into that and then having to learn all of the things that i kind of just said you know a lot to throw at a driver but then to go out and capture a podium like your first whatever it was uh nine or eight or nine races in and in, in baku i mean that's huge and then qualify uh on the front row for the italian grand prix that season as well i mean that's that's a big deal in a car that's not very good and in conditions that like were torrential downpour and driving in the wet is way different <laughs> from driving in the in the dry, mm-hmm. trust me <laughs> when I say that. But, but that F one doesn't really race in the wet anymore, as, well, the, as the meme yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. I what's mean, the like, point of the wet tires? Well, Suzuka, right? I mean, yeah, like that right. was like yeah. I'm surprised they raced in that. To be honest with you, last season that was a that was wild. Monaco was a pain too. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really difficult. But that being said, like when you let's say you know what was it 2020 uh, racing points had like that sort of 
you know, purple or pink for pink, pink Mercedes or whatever they, they had called it. Uh, you know, whatever the car was, it was fast and he was just as quick as Sergio Perez was. That's a, that's a driver who's got way more experience than Lance does. Goes and puts it on pole in Turkey at a track at the time where again, the asphalt was brutal. That whole weekend in Turkey, I am shocked that he captured a pole position in those conditions and on that tarmac because it's like it was like an ice rink. Wow. And like to be able to have the skill hmm. um to be able to have the skill to, you know, piece together and put it on pole in Formula One in those conditions, it's pretty incredible. Like that's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. So is Fernando right when he says he could win a world championship? I mean, look, I, like if, it does seem a bit like, okay, come on, Fernando, his his dad signs your checks. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I think like having like Fernando knows Lance, right? Like they they do have a relationship. I mean, they text frequently. They were texting all during preseason testing and they're bouncing ideas off each other and they were working, you know, trying to work with each other during, um, preseason testing, but uh, it's, he is going to be a good, great driver for him to learn from. I mean, he learned as much as he could, I feel maybe from Seb and towards, uh, I would say, I would say the first season, his pairing with Seb was difficult, um, to get onto the pace. I would say second season with Seb, they were pretty neck and neck uh, in terms of their pace together. Um, and then I think like for Fernando Alonso, that's like another, and not to say anything bad about Seb. I mean, he's an incredible of course. talent. Yeah. But like Fernando's like sort of like up here where it's like, mm. there's only like a handful of these guys in the world type yeah. deal. Like, like just, all time. Yes. Yeah. Like just like can make a washing machine fast. Like <laughs> right. just incredible. And so- He's going to learn a lot from him, and it'll be interesting to see. It'll be hard, I think, for him to start this season off. I think missing so much track time with preseason testing, that's really going to hurt him the first few races, I think. like I, I, I think it's going to be an uphill battle for maybe about three or four races, but I mean, we'll see. Right, I mean that's that's why they go out and drive and absolutely do what they do. Um, okay, we'll make our way through the bottom part of this, I, and and it was you know what the Haas Ferrari or just Haas is a uh, is a team that seems to be the vibes are good, the vibes are immaculate. <laughs> uh, Magnuson's back uh, last season, and he's thrilled to be there. They score points in the first race. He's got a great race. Um, uh, the you know the previous season they were, if it's even possible, they were worse than Williams. Uh, and then they go to that and, you know, the, the, the Mazepins are gone. Uh, and then now Mick Schumacher is gone and you've got another person with a ton of potential that's just never been realized in Nico Hulkenberg. Um, and again, excited to be back. The, the suck my balls incident is over. They it's water under the bridge. So now, now they got a race and, and they've got one of the best or at least most animated uh, team principals out there. Although I have to say, Gene Gene Haas seems like a very intense man as well. Um, so, what do we expect from this team? Because it seems like they've raced quite well in 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 preseason. I think so. You made a good point. Like when you're you're talking about you know twenty twenty one and just how bad they were. Like they were. 
They were bad. Yep. Horrible. 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 A lot of oh, that man. is on Mazepin, and then Part nope, of it. they yeah, didn't put absolutely. a car together yeah, that was like, competitive. Yeah, this car's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. But they were pretty like <clears throat> transparent with all of it. When they're like, yeah, what we're doing, we're going to take all of our money that we were going to use on this car, and we're going to dump it into 2022. And yep. what they've done was they clawed back so much performance by by doing that. That's It's huge. It was a huge move for them. Getting this uh, MoneyGram sponsorship deal um when they announced it at the u.s grand prix you know i asked gunther i said like look you know how close does this get you to the cost cap because you've never been close to any sort of cap whatsoever <laughs> with this team right like yeah. and he's like hey it gets us very close and that's great that, mm-hmm. that's an incredible thing to hear because now they're going to have some finances to put into this thing yes mick is gone uh, part of me is like, did he, you know, should he have really been there? Like for well, the that season? Like, I do want to talk about that in our drive to survive reactions for sure. Know, yeah. So with this driver lineup, um, they have a ton of experience. And there's like a lot of people online who like bust up Nico Hulkenberg, but the guy's like actually, he's actually really good. He I mean, won everywhere and yeah. until he got to Formula One and he just could not get on that podium. And it, that was the thing, right? And that's why everybody sort of busts the guy up. But what... Gunther and this team want are two drivers who have a ton of experience that when they bolt on some new parts, they're going to be like, it works. It doesn't get it off the car. And that'll happen extremely fast. And then you have that turnover rate with upgrades coming to the car happening faster. And with non-rookie drivers, you get non-rookie, uh, you don't get those rookie mistakes, right? Yeah. And I'm sure Gunther's probably sick of working with rookies. Um, at least for now, I mean, having two rookies, uh, a couple of years ago is tough. tough. Absolutely. Uh, one of the most disappointing teams last year, uh, that I, it's impossible to get a read on and their livery sucks too, is, uh, Alpha (laughs) Tori. I I, like what's with the red. I know they got the Orlin, uh, but man, the branding doesn't work anymore. And they had a cool looking car last year. I know that's like the last thing that matters, but this is a team that has been a feeder team for Red Bull for what? 10 plus years. There were rumors of them selling. They're not going to sell, but they got to do something because they need to be developing the next Max Verstappen, the next person who's going to back up Max Verstappen. Maybe that's Yuki. Maybe that's Nick DeVries. It is a brand new driver lineup. What do we expect from this team this year? It's going to be difficult, I think, for AlphaTauri this season. It's losing a talent like Pierre Gasly, who brings so much to the table, so much experience. And positivity, too. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that too, yeah. right? Well-liked. Yeah, it, it helps. He actually, he actually is, like, a really good dude. And losing a driver uh, like that from your team is it's huge. And now you've got... I'm, no, nothing, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Yuki Tsunoda. I think he's extremely talented. I think this is going to be a very important season for him. Franz Tost has made it known that, like, Hey, I expect more Q3s out of you, and I also expect you to score more points. And I'm like, Q3 with that thing? I'm like, the car hasn't been good. I, no. I don't know. The the best thing I think Yuki can do, be consistent. Don't lose your temper so much because of the stress that's in happening with inside the race car. You know, we've heard you've heard outbursts over the radio. Oh yeah. You know, that's that's not good because it's kind of saying like mentally your flexibility is quite low. And that's not good because you need to be a bit flexible in the race car when someone's telling you like, hey, maybe try doing this. Maybe try doing this. This is a suggestion. We're seeing something on the data and like getting them t- towards doing that because mm-hmm. that's going to make you faster. 
Right. With Yuki, this guy is so fast. Like, he's so fast that, like, I think if all the experience that he's got up to this point, um, and then also having a teammate now like like Nick DeVries, who has a ton of experience, who's very fast, um, I think he can do really great things. He just needs, they both actually need to keep it together, and the team needs to keep it together. It seems too. like Red Bull's hoping that one day he's the guy that, that takes over for Sergio. You know, I, 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 you know ideally... Uh, once that's because so, Sergio's on, you know, he's in the the other side of thirty, right? I think one of the things with Red Bull that's that's interesting in this driver feeder system that they've they've got with Alpha Tauri is it's kind of like let's bring them in, we'll put them at Alpha Tauri, sink or swim. Let's see how they do, and then we'll bring them up if we feel like they're sort of ready for it. I mean, Max did it with Toro Daniel Rosa, did it, Ricardo did it, yeah. I mean, Carlos Sainz did it now, Ferrari, yeah. So. That's the thing with having those two sort of teams and making sure that you have a lot of talent coming through your roster because when you get to Formula One, everything changes. I mm-hmm. mean, you have a ton of talent. You come to Formula One, it's kind of like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. this is the big time here. It's like, oh, God. Another one is is Nick DeVries, 27 years old. And I think people like, are like, oh, is he a kid? He's a kid. No, <laughs> no. He's been, that guy's been a backup driver yeah. for a while. Yeah. And waiting yeah. for this, he had... An unbelievable race with uh, Williams and scored points in his yeah, first race debut, at, yeah. driving for Williams. Yeah. And it's amazing that Mercedes and Red Bull, I guess there's the Albon, or, uh, Albon thing where, you know, Albon's a Red Bull driver driving for a Mercedes car, which is Williams. And then, you know, vice versa. Um, but Nick DeVries seems in all interviews like he is laser focused. Yes, he is. Uh, you know, I covered... I've, you know, covered, watched Nick for a long, long time, even when he was in Formula 2, uh, then moving over to the Formula E. Guy's fast. He has a ton of experience. Uh, he's good with working with engineers. And I think it was, it might have been Will Buxton who said it, but yeah, that, you know, he wants to come in and destroy. Like, yeah. he he wants to be... That sounds uh, like a Will Alpha. Buxton thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah. disappointing for me that he's coming in with this car. I yeah. wish he would have come in at somewhere like Alpine, where he For gets sure. a much better vehicle to try sure. out. You know, because I'm I don't feel confident at all in this in their car. Good place for him to start. I mean, if if he, if he performs well and either perform outperforms Yuki or stays on on the same sort of uh, level as Yuki is, then that tells Red Bull like, hey, we got some more talent in the pipeline. Right. So if we want to move on from Sergio one day. We'll just either grab Yuki or, or Nick and bring them in. That's or not a Danny bad thing. Ricardo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if like how much longer you know Danny Rick's going to be around with F one, right? I mean, could yeah. be could be just this season. He could come back. He could be he their could global ambassador and just go to every yeah. race and just be the guy. He's just 100%. the guy you really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and and that would be fine. I think he's probably a little burnt out too. And we'll talk about yeah. that in our mm-hmm. in our drive to survive stuff. Last one, and this is another team. So the two teams that were not happy were McLaren and Alphator. Uh, Williams is jacked after uh, after the, yeah, they their look, they look the Logan Sargent did 150 laps in a row. Yeah, he's a brand new driver, first American yeah. in a long time. <laughs> um, but he was picked by the previous team principal, which I think is interesting. What do we expect from Williams this year? I know we're not gonna like. Can they be not last? Um, dude. <laughs> Because you want I, the Williams name. I think let's so. Go like nine. Nine, you know? <laughs> I was going to say ninth. I'm like, yeah. I think they got a chance to yeah. be ninth. I mean, it's on. a great thing. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 
during last season, I always thought that, you know, the car just wasn't good. And <laughs> Albon still eked some points oh out. Oh my though. God. But the car was not good. Trust no. me. Like it just wasn't good. And I think the team probably spent a little bit too much time on say the off track marketing sort of thing and kind of maybe didn't focus as much as maybe they could have with the race car itself. But look, I get that side of it, and I do understand you need to build that as well. You got to build sponsors. You got to build... 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so I'm not like trying to you know, bash them for doing that, but at the same time, I'm like, there has to be a middle ground where you're going to do some of the marketing and off-track activation, but you're also going to be doing making sure you're sticking to the car and the plan and whatever it is you're going to be doing. I don't know if Yoast was great at doing that. I, it, the team was divided. They still, they still a little, are a little bit divided internally. And I think that's what, where you Divided over what? Those are the questions that we all have. So, so there's no clear answer on that? Yeah, okay. I think there are certain departments that maybe don't get along with other departments, and I'm just taking a wild guess at it at this moment. I think bringing in James Valls was a great move. This is... You're, you're talking about a, a guy who's learned underneath Total Wolf, and we all know what Total Wolf's done with the team that he has. And Williams before. And Williams before. I really like this addition to the team. I think at the moment, he's going to be busy internally, behind the scenes. What do they need at the factory? Uh, what different type of equipment do they need at the factory? Do they need to upgrade some things? That's going to be really important. It's going to be a big part of his job right now. The driver lineup, I I like as well. I mean, you said Logan Sargent. I mean, like I've known Logan for a long time. I remember, you know, during his Formula 3 days, at the end of one of his seasons, like he almost won the championship. And I was like, uh, hey, you know, like, what's going on, dude? Like, hey, like, you're going to coming back formula three you're gonna try and take another crack the championship he's like dude i don't even know if i'm gonna be racing i'm like wow Uh comes back right he manages to hold on like this is a driver who again has clawed his way into formula one his preseason testing from some people i've spoken to was pretty legit like he was he was quick, man. And, like, and he was quick. Albon seems like a, a pretty reasonable guy to get along with. Oh, yeah. Alex is great. He's also got the fastest set of hands in Formula One. He's quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes too fast. <laughs> like, yeah. he's, like, extremely in terms of car control. Uh, unbelievable. You'd like, have to wow. be with that Dude, Williams the, last that year. That <laughs> Williams last year, man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> fast in a straight line, but, like, taking that thing into a, a corner, like, full out, like... <laughs> so what do you think they can do can they get out of last place i think so i mean they look good and they look good in preseason testing again like we don't know fuel loads we don't know engine modes mm-hmm. but reliability reliability we, yeah. we just don't know we don't know development rate too like i mean last season they had one big upgrade came at silverstone for alex and then nikki didn't get it until i believe it was france if i'm not mistaken and so that was a few races later. I think they had to go through Austria before Nikki got the upgrade. And then that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, that, that was like, that's it. That's all you got. You got like one big upgrade. That's all you're going to do. It's yeah. like, come on, you're in Formula One. Like we need, you need upgrades. Everybody, Everybody else is doing it. Everyone's right. doing it. So are they going to spend on the cap this year? 
I think they can get close to it. I I mean the Duracell battery thing is that's cool. awesome. Very that's cool marketing. So cool. <laughs> I it's brilliant. Yeah. I, every time, even have you seen the? I, I can't remember. Like, have you seen the visor? Like the visor? No, Duracell what's it? Thing? What's it? It was cool. Like it's like a battery across one of their visors. Oh wow, it was pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I I, I like I've always had a soft spot for Williams. I mean, ever since I've watched Formula One, independent right? team. Yeah, and it's great. And like their story is great. I miss Claire Williams. She was awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it sucks that she's not around. I wish she was. Uh, and I want to see this team do well. Really and do. So that the, the, the owner, it's Dorlison Capital? Uh, yeah, so Dorlison owns them. Yeah. And so what's their, because that's the fascinating thing to me with Claire Williams, you know, daughter of Frank Williams, you know why they owned the team. You know, you know the history there. They kept the brand, which you should. But what's their ultimate goal here yeah. with this car? Yeah, it's a great question because it's kind of like you driving towards, uh, so are you going to sell to a OEM? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is that the Andretti Cadillac yeah, or that, is that? That's a great question. <clears throat> I, I, At this moment, it's unclear what, what they're going to do. But you're bringing in a, a guy like James Valls to run your, run your team. Serious. Like you're, you're serious about sticking around. That, that's, that's what I read into it. It could, seems like the franchise value of every car has gone up. Exactly. Too. I was just going to touch on that. Like the, the value of these racing teams since Liberty media has come in, since they've kind of reformatted everything, they introduced the cost cap, which was brilliant and got everybody to agree to it, which was also brilliant. Um, the value of these teams has skyrocketed. So whatever the Williams family sold the team for is, I want. I want to say it's over a hundred million. It's got to be worth way more than that now. Way more. You would think. Got to be. They. Yes. They. Some of these teams have got to be pushing either a billion or close to it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Got to be. All right. Be. Now I'm going to go around the room here. <laughs> Three questions and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. okay. All right. I want everybody's hour, guess. Hour fifteen. Into I know. The 40 I, I, I minute was supposed to be short. I'm sorry. <laughs> to the third. But it's, I'm having podcast. fun. Are we not having fun? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So my my three questions. The first one: <clears throat> Who's the winner at the end of the season, Jesse? Ferrari. Okay, team wise, team wise, Ferrari. Okay. What do you? What do you think? Oh, I'm I'm okay. My my guess is going to be Red Bull. They just the way they finished last year. It's to me, it's hard to stop the Red Bull. Yeah, I agree. I say Red Bull too. Okay, all yeah, right. It's, it's, I think it's just I just think as a team, uh, just yeah, they're just too good right now. Okay. Uh, driver that is most surprising on the grid this year. Hmm. Like the biggest jump in points. Biggest jump in points. Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz. Okay. Oh. Jesse Blake. I think I'm going to go with the other one. I'm going to go with Leclerc. I think it follows suit with the okay, yeah. uh, Ferrari championship and the constructors. And I think he probably might maybe pick up the driver. Uh, he might just. <laughs> he might just. Um, I'm going to go Fernando Alonso because um, I know that he had a lot of points with Alpine last year, but if this Aston Martin car is as good as they think it is, um, he could be, and he's probably going to be the lead driver with Lance's arm not being set for the first, you know, uh, four weeks. I, I feel like I'm my, all, I, my, all my interest is on Fernando Alonso right now. Um, okay, last thing. Last thing. Um, the team that disappoints the most over the full races, and I know that's a tough one to call, what team, and, and it's relative to their expectations, right? If the team expects to be seventh and they finish seventh, hard to call that disappointing. So you're, so you're saying like, 
If you're Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull, you're aiming to win. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're Alpine, you're, you're McLaren, you're Aston Martin, you're aiming to come top of the midfield. And so we're talking about a team taking a step back. Who takes the step back, the biggest step back? McLaren. That would be my guess. I was also going to yeah. say McLaren. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, before we wrap this show, I just want to say one thing. You're going to expect shows uh, three times a week with Tim uh, right here on SDPN. So Nailing the Apex will come out uh, usually the Thursday or the Friday before race weekend, and then either Sunday night or Monday on afterwards, and then you're going to do one midweek as well. Yes, sir. Okay. It's going to be fun. And then there's going to be Looking special, forward to it. special episodes <laughs> too with, with, with people, interviews and uh, of course, the drama that unfolds in silly season. We got a random gap because of the Chinese Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. But you're going to keep going through that. Yeah, we got a big gap in April. Yeah. So we're oh, going to have to like, <laughs> hey, we, <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's we, not going to be a problem. We can tap dance. You yeah, always no, seem to have cool. the willpower news. <laughs> like, you, you're always tapped in on what's going on with willpower <laughs> in Indy. Willpower. So if you can get him on the show, <laughs> or willpower. I'd love it. Yeah. Really? You yeah. want willpower? Oh, yeah. So, like, and, if we did like <laughs> me, you, and willpower, yes. that would be unreal. Yes. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And by the way, it'll be mostly Tim on his own. It won't be Jesse and I. But no, 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 for sure you need to join for that. I just, I just want to say hey. You know, I just, <laughs> just let me introduce myself to Willpower. So we're like, we'll fire it up. We're like, hey, Will, like, you know, thanks I'm for just coming on the show. This is Jesse. Jesse's That's like, it. hi. That's it. That's it. I'll, I'll peace out. Tim will also be on the Steve Dangle podcast Monday for a proper welcome. We couldn't yes. do it because it's trade deadline week, but uh, but we're looking forward to it. Tim, welcome to SDPN. Yeah, this is cool. Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's great.